Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Derek, you've thrown touchdown passes in Vegas before. You've been on fire. Have you ever been that hot in Las Vegas? Not that hot. Uh, That's probably why I'm going somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Press Box. I just want to win, and so there's a lot of teams that, you know, want to win, and I'm just looking for teams that, you know, have made that decision consistently, continually choose to do whatever it takes to, you know, put a winning, you know, program out there. With Grady and Bischoff. There is interest, and my understanding is there are at least a couple teams, potentially several teams, who are at least interested in Derek Carr, but it is complicated, Mike, because Derek Carr's contract becomes fully guaranteed next two years, or this year and a little bit next year, but... ESPN Las Vegas. We good? All right. Ted Tyler and Danny running the show. Welcome to the press box. Jared Posey's at the airport. We're uh, crossing our fingers. He gets on that plane so he gets to the Super Bowl. It's 50 50 at this point. He's tweeting about people gambling at airports. So. Yeah, he's going to end up just staying at the airport he, all day. If he sits down at that, if that, at that slot machine <laughs> and he misses that plane, that would not be good. Does Jared gamble? Does anybody in this room know that? I want to say he does. Okay. Really? Well, we know I you do. So. Yes. I I don't know if he like actually goes and gambles or if it's one of those things he just does when he goes to the bar and just tosses a 20 in or whatever. In a machine? Yeah. I don't know if he actively is like, hey, I'm going to the casino to gamble. Okay. That's somewhat of a degenerate in the bar. What, toss it in the machine? Yeah, just kind of like... Just no. You get free drinks. And it, they'll automate it, too. You you're, can, you're there you all can the set time. It up. No, not anymore. I also <laughs> used to work in a bar. But you can, you can, like, if you're playing Keno, you can set it up to just keep playing your hand over and over automatically without you having to do anything. What's the point that. of that? That doesn't sound fun. It's so that you can just play and drink and not have to pay attention. Yeah, but the whole and do you win? You want to pay attention. I don't play. I don't play uh, video poker or Keno or anything, but I know people who do, and they do it that way. They'll play Keno, set up their set up their numbers, and then uh, play it to automatic. So after every roll, it'll just go back again. But until your money runs out. Yeah, or until you hit and you're forced to stop it and pay out and all that. But yeah, it'll just keep going until... Usually yeah, until money. your money runs out. Usually until the money <laughs> runs out. Yeah. The, the first, first bite. bite. <laughs> A little bit of an awkward pause, but we got there. Will Derek Carr be the highest paid free agent quarterback this offseason? Uh, I'm not sure. Why did I read this morning that Lamar Jackson's $100 million apart from the Baltimore Ravens? That's, That's a, lot. a lot of money. He might That's not a be a free money. agent. So pro football focus every year, they put out like their list of the best free agents and they put out contract projections for how much they sort of project each free agent to sign for. And they do have Lamar Jackson on here as signing a five-year $260 million deal with $208 million guaranteed. Right, Derek Carr is not getting that. So if Lamar no. Jackson actually signs a contract, not just the franchise tag, if he actually signs a new contract this offseason, Lamar Jackson is almost surely going to be the highest, highest paid, paid quarterback this offseason. But if he does get franchise tagged, 
And then you move down to the next level of quarterbacks. This is what I thought was interesting for pro football focus because Carr is not on this list because Carr is not actually a free agent yet. But here's the projection for Geno Smith. Four-year deal, $150 million. That's $37.5 per year and $112.5 guaranteed. Here's the projection for Daniel Jones, who also could get franchise tagged. Four-year deal, $160 million. Forty million per year with one fifteen guaranteed. Derek Carr is better than Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. I can they can tag both those guys. Uh, Daniel Jones can be tagged. I don't think okay. Geno Smith can be tagged. Okay, I would think Daniel Jones might be franchise tagged. He might be as well. Daniel Jones and Lamar Jackson might get franchise yeah. tagged, and we'll see how they those two quarterbacks play it out there. But that it, seems to put Carr in the range of forty million. Right. If if Geno Smith and and Daniel Jones signs contracts that are around four years and one fifty one sixty uh, total value, right, and that's near forty million dollars plus getting over a hundred million guaranteed. Why would Derek Carr not get that money? Yeah. Like he no. he almost has to get that yes. money if those guys get that money. Like I can't figure out why that would be the case. So. Let's do it from Derek Carr's side. If you believe that, if you believe that you that Geno Smith will get that money, that Daniel Jones can get that money, and that you're as good or better than them, Derek Carr should reject every single trade the Raiders bring to him. Derek Carr should say no to all of the trades and just go into the go into the market and see and what say, he can get and say cut me because I want to be a free agent because I might sign a four year deal with a hundred plus million guaranteed. Whereas his current contract is only forty million guaranteed right. if he's on the roster after February fifteenth. So from Carr's side, he's he's got to be pushing to, to get cut here. But also from the Raiders' side, if Geno Smith and Daniel Jones are going to get a hundred million guaranteed, there is no way I am cutting Derek Carr on February fifteenth because if we get into free agency. And those two quarterbacks are signing those deals. And I've got Derek Carr, who's probably better than both of them. And I've only got him for $40 million guaranteed. Teams are going to be lining up to trade for him. Yes. Anybody that needs a quarterback? Yes. If your options are Geno Smith with 115 guaranteed versus Carr with 40, you're going to have the best value in the offseason yeah. with Derek Carr. So if those numbers are reality... There's no way the Raiders can cut Carr. They just cannot do it because that's no, you too keep valuable. Them and you trade them. Right. That's just too valuable. So, do you believe those numbers? Do you think Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, and throw Derek Carr? I've got to. I mean, Geno Smith to go from where he was to that, even though he had a good year. Maybe, maybe that's the market for quarterbacks, man. I'm. I, I. I look at Daniel Jones, and you're telling me he's worth forty million a year. I would franchise tag those guys. I would, <laughs> I would franchise tag those guys. I'm not giving Daniel Jones 115 million dollars guaranteed. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, and I don't think Lamar. We've talked about this. Daniel Jones might not have any say on the franchise tag. Lamar, I think, puts up a much bigger fight, right? As he should, right? Lamar Jackson is is such a different conversation for than, in terms of offseason quarterbacks. Than really any of those guys. A, he's better than those guys. Yeah. And B, there's already been, uh, you know, some unhappiness between him and the team and, the and, team. and what he's been offered and, and what the team's willing to do and 
what Lamar Jackson wants in his contract. So Lamar's kind of a a different conversation if we talk about potential free agent quarterbacks this offseason from Derek Carr, Geno Smith, and Daniel Jones. But obviously, he's the best, right? Obviously, yeah, he's if, the best on the market. If, if he, he became a market. free agent, yeah, if he'd he gets be the to the best. market. Now, Lamar Jackson most likely is, is the Ravens are if they don't agree to a deal, the Ravens are going to franchise tag him. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe they would trade him after tagging him to try to get back some picks because you'd presumably get quite a lot back for him, but he's not. Lamar Jackson's not going to be a true free agent this offseason. That's just not going to no. happen. It's either going to be the Ravens sign trade, him or, or they they're going to sign the guy. Yeah. So he's a different conversation. The other ones, it just comes down to, I guess, how... I mean, would you give either of those guys 112 and 115 no. guaranteed? No, because I don't think you're winning with with either one of those guys no. at that at that price, right? If if you have those guys for cheap, yeah, they're probably good enough that you can have a really good team around him. But if you're pumping out $38, 40000000 million in your current cap right. for those two, it's not, not quite where you want to go if you're building a roster. The other interesting quarterback uh, salary that PFF projected, Jimmy Garoppolo, one year, $15 million. Is Twelve million guaranteed. Is Garoppolo signing for like less than twenty million, and only for once? Is he going mean, to have to do a proving? Was year? the injury that bad? He's that had he's multiple. Gonna... It's not like it's only been one, too. Yeah, he's been hurt. Yeah, fifteen but, million. Lineup Raiders. I mean, yeah. It, in all honesty, if Jimmy Garoppolo get him for twelve million guaranteed, if his salary situation is one year, fifteen million dollars, he should be the quarterback of the Raiders. Yes, <laughs> like yeah. He should be the starting quarterback for the Raiders because, no, it's not a rookie deal, but rookie deals are going to come in in like the eight to twelve million dollar range. I think, or it depends on how high you pick them. But fifteen million is pretty close to that. Like you're still getting the same. No, twelve guaranteed is really right. close to that. You're still getting the same value that you would on a rookie quarterback. Now, granted, it's for one year, not four, but you're still getting that same sort of cheap quarterback option. So. If that projection's right and Garoppolo's signing for one year and 12 or 15, even if it's one year for 20. Yeah, which what you paid Carr this year. Which is, you should probably sign yeah. him. Like that, I mean, obviously, if you draft a rookie in the first round, then maybe that changes the way you view uh, what you do at the quarterback spot. But if you're not going to draft somebody, if your choices are, hey, who are you signing in free agency? Garoppolo for one year and less than 20 is. To me, the the best deal you could that, do that be and out still there. draft somebody. Yeah, that's that's the best deal that'll be out there. So that was I. Pro Football Focus's projections were fascinating to me because that's a that's a massive difference between Daniel Jones' contract and Jimmy Garoppolo's contract because one's getting forty million a year, one's getting and how much better 15. is one from the other? Garoppolo's probably better, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, he's been hurt, and Daniel Jones had a good season under Brian Dable. But if you're not Brian Dable, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably better than Daniel Jones. And the one we haven't seen yet, and we will soon, is Joe Burrow. Yeah. Well, he's, Joe Burrow is going to set the market. He's going to get the biggest contract yes. that any quarterback has signed. And yes. then a year later, Justin Herbert will probably get the right. biggest contract that anybody's ever signed. So it's just such a, uh, I, it's a fascinating offseason for quarterbacks, right? With the, just really, you take Lamar Jackson and his situation. What the hell's going to happen there? I mean, they really are they really a hundred million apart? That's a lot to be apart. Was it was it a hundred million in like total compensation or hundred guarantee? Guarantee. Okay, probably 
because Lamar Jackson's probably sitting there saying, well, you he's know, on the Deshaun Watson train, right? He's like, he I want it all guaranteed, two fifty and fully guaranteed, and the right. Ravens are like, well, we'll, we'll give you two fifty, but only a hundred and fifty of it's going to be guaranteed. I yeah, I absolutely can can believe that, and if it's a hundred million apart, it's not changing anytime no. soon, is it? I mean, no. That's a long way to start your negotiate when, and it's not even starting the negotiation you, process. No, they I did mean, it last year. They've been they've been at this for a while. Yeah, so, so if they're still a hundred million part and guarantee, <laughs> they could do what you suggested and tag them and trade them. If they yeah. if they're if they're that far apart, they may never come to a deal. Man, the Raiders are going to have to keep Derek Carr past the February fifteenth deadline because they've got to wait for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to figure out life, and they might have to wait for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to figure out life because. If those two quarterbacks become available, you don't want Carr. Right. You don't want Garoppolo. You don't want Geno Smith. You don't want Daniel Jones. You want those two. And then until you're out of the running on those two, you're going to be interested. And then, all right, now we'll turn our attention to Carr or Geno or Garoppolo or whatever it is. But they're going to have to hold Carr until two other quarterback situations are resolved and maybe they don't ever actually get resolved. That's Lamar Jackson's going to be a fun off season to follow. Kind of excited about that. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll jump into some Golden Knights because Bruce Cassidy talked about Mark Stone yesterday. On the left wall, Eichel, a tap back to the sideboards and a shot attempt, score! It leaps through. Vegas strikes with 10 seconds to go in the period. McNabb got the handoff on the left side. Always a good idea to put it on goal. Mark Stone might have gotten a piece on its way to the net, deflecting the puck through the goaltender to Smith. 4-0 Vegas in the final 10 seconds of the period. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Who's that Mark Stone guy? Uh, Haven't seen nor heard of him in a long time. Bruce Cassidy yesterday talked about Mark Stone. Uh, According to Ben Goats, if recovery goes well, Cassidy said that Stone could return this season. He also said, if we can extend our season, which is our goal, it always has been. That obviously increases our odds of that, referring to Mark Stone, potentially coming back if they make the playoffs and depending on how far they go into the playoffs. Mark Stone last year was out with a back injury. He came back for the end of the regular season when the Golden Knights were pushing to make the playoffs. They did not make the playoffs, but he came back at the end of the season and then had surgery once the Golden Knights season was over. Mark Stone was playing with a hurt back to end last season. Is there any way Mark Stone should be coming back this season for the Golden Knights. I mean, I wouldn't until the doctors say I'm completely 100% because I think he's playing with his career at this point. I think he's playing with with two back surgeries. Now it's not even just about being about this year. Out this year, we've asked the question. And I think it's a fair question: Is his career in danger? So if that's the case, I would not be coming back unless all the doctors said no, you're fine, and I felt fine. Yeah. I wouldn't be coming back. And I I get the feeling Mark Stone is going to want to come back even before he's 100. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I'm sure he would. Because he, I mean, he did it last year. I just wouldn't. Yeah, I would not either. But I think Mark Stone's going to view that a lot different than we do. If this team makes it to the postseason and he's close to returning or close to getting the okay, I think he's going to be pushing as hard as he can to get back onto the ice, which is probably a mistake individually for him. And right. not just his career, but 
probably his health the rest of his life. I mean, I guess once you stop playing hockey, your back problems aren't going to be as noticeable because you're not getting hit every day of your life. But I'd have to imagine there's got to be some thought towards what Mark Stone's future looks like, not his career, his actual actual career is, hey, how screwed up is my back going to be if I come back and play? But I kind of get the sense that he's going to push to come back. And I don't feel like the Golden Knights front office would be I mean, uh, adamant to stop him. No, I don't <laughs> think they would be. Is that is that also what's best for the team? If he comes back and he's not 100%. I well, mean, let me, let you can me, make the argument from what we've seen lately, 80% of Mark Stone's probably better than most of these guys. Let me ask you this question. What's your definition of team? Is that better for Jack Eichel? Yes. Because, like, like definition of team... Long-term, Golden Knights, they're better off if Mark Stone does not play this year and he actually comes back 100% and doesn't need another back surgery, which would say, hey, don't play him this year. But how confident are you that this front office is sticking around for another season? Like, if, if, they, if they think they need to, like, win a playoff series to keep their jobs or at least keep one of their jobs, then when you say what's best for the team, what's best for the front office is for Mark Stone to get back out there and play. Because if they think their jobs are in any in any danger, then they don't care about what the Golden Knights look like in 2024 or 5. Right. They, they care about what do they look like right now and what gives them the best chance to win a playoff series. And that's 85% Mark Stone going out there and playing. So what's best for the team it depends on how you define the team. We did get a look at what Bruce Cassidy might be doing with the lines now with Mark Stone officially done. Uh, well, I shouldn't say officially done, but officially out for a while. Jonathan Marcheseau moved up to play with Jack Eichel. The first line, according to Ben Goats, was Paul Cotter, Jack Eichel, and Jonathan Marcheseau. You think Marcheseau is I mean, what gets Eichel going? They had to put someone up there to get Eichel going, right? So they chose to break up the misfits. They did. Um, I mean, it's as good a chance as anyone, anyone to get him going. I mean, although marcheseau has been in a slump also. All these guys have been in right, slumps. So right. it's not like he's coming up and he's scored four goals in the last four games. Except Will Carrier. Will Carrier and Phil Kessel are not slumping. Those two guys are the only goal scorers on the team. Um, the interesting well, part... Carrier uh, fixed Kessel's uh, broken <laughs> cabinets the other day. So. He fixed his broken stick. Exactly. He's like, no wonder you can't <laughs> do anything. Your stick's broken. Let me, give me that stick. I'll fix it. <laughs> so the part that I find interesting on the top line is it's it's Cotter and Marsh so it's two guys that are what known more for their goal scoring than mm-hmm. maybe anything else like you're not yeah. putting up their defensive first right. forwards with Jack Eichel which to me very much implies that Bruce Cassidy wants that line to score wants that line to get as many offensive zone opportunities as possible and might not be asking them to do as much defensively and that's sort of my question about the other lines on this team the second line yesterday was Will Carrier, Chandler Stevenson, and Phil Kessel. And the interesting part about that line is this season, you can, um, natural statric will track which zone guys start every shift in. So is it the offensive zone, defensive zone, or a neutral zone start for your shift? Phil Kessel leads the Golden Knights in offensive zone starts, which basically means Bruce Cassidy doesn't put him on the ice when they're in a defensive situation. Right. Meanwhile, Will Carrier is third in defensive zone starts. Will Carrier is on the ice when they're in a defensive situation. Chandler Stevenson's uh, about in the middle. 
Carrier, Stevenson, Kessel. I wonder what Cassidy's plan is of that line. Does he want to put that line in the defensive zone? Because that's where he's used Carrier this year. I think they do with Kessel. Or is that now also, hey, Kessel's on this line, so we're going to put them in the offensive zone. We're not going to be any defensive zone. Which then means you might have your top two lines both getting a heavy amount of offensive zone starts, and now you're looking at Riley Smith, William Carlson, and Michael Amadio as your third line getting a huge amount of defensive zone shifts. And if it plays out that way, that might work, but you're basically taking Carlson and Smith and you're neutering their offensive production. If the plan is for those guys to be the primary defensive guys. That first line better score. Right. That's the ultimate story here is Jack Eichel and Jonathan March. So, and Paul Cotter, less pressure on the guy who's barely played. Those two have to produce. If that's Bruce Cassidy's plan, that line has to be really good offensively. They're going to have to score. And it's not that Carlson and Smith can't score from a defensive zone faceoff to start. No. It's not that they it's not that they're not going to get offensive zone starts either. They will. But if we get a 10 game sample of these lines, more than likely if they're successful yeah. it's because Eichel and Marsh are so of scoring Cassidy, we're not getting a 10 minute That's cycle a good point. That lines. is a good point. We're not getting 10 minutes never mind 10 <laughs> games. That is a good point. We are not going to see these lines <laughs> in 2 days. No. We're going to come in. What are they playing it on Thursday? We're going to be they like play All Minnesota right. on Thursday. Valley's got Kessel and Amadio with Jack <laughs> exactly. Eichel. It's going to be complete. That's that's fair. That's completely fair. So that's where the Golden Knights sit as they uh, return from the All Star break tonight. Five o'clock game. By the way, you can hear that over on Fox Sports Las Vegas as they start the second half of the season on the road. One other Golden Knight story. This from uh, The Athletic. Robin Leonard owes creditors $27.3 million. It's a lot of snakes. (laughs) It's not just snakes, though. Uh, Robin Leonard has a solar power company. And he has been uh, accused, I guess is the right word, of not paying back uh, some people through that solar power company, being sued by a lender because he didn't pay back a loan. So we're talking $27.3 million is what Robin Leonard apparently owes creditors. Um, Robin Leonard has two years left on his NHL contract with the Golden Knights and getting $5 million in each of those years. Robin Leonard's coming back and he's trying to play every single game because yeah. he, need, a, he, he needs apparently money. needs that money and he needs another contract after yeah. that too. To pay all this back. Man. All the... He filed for bankruptcy, yeah. Right. Uh, he and yeah, he and his wife filed. That's that's how all of this became news. Is he filed for bankruptcy, and that's you know public information. And it's like, all right, why did he file for bankruptcy? Oh, he bought a bunch of snakes. Oh, that guy who owned the snakes got killed by his wife. Yes. <laughs> we shouldn't oh. be laughing. Oh. Leonard's snakes started breeding out of control. Was also part of the story. Like, it's an absolutely insane story Story with Robin Leonard Snakes here. So he owes creditors $27 million. That's not something that uh, I think you want to be at in life. So no. we'll see what happens with Robin Leonard. But he's coming back next year because he's got he's to make, he's gotta, well, he's gotta make some money. Yeah. And like you said, he not only next year, he needs one more deal at least. He need, yeah, needs another contract to kick in and start getting paid. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, David Roth joins the show. 
Subscribe to The Distraction, a multitude production for Defector. Listen to The Distraction wherever you get your podcasts. He is adorned in flannel and still doesn't have a building super. He eats soup cooked on a hot plate. David Roth from Defector is here to tell us about his uninstalled appliances. Good morning, David. I actually think we might have some good news for you because there was a story here in the Review Journal about a player for the Golden Knights named Will Carrier who is essentially the team repairman and one of his teammates called him because they needed their dishwasher fixed and he went over and fixed it in less than an hour. Uh, well, what kind of insurance does he have? I, I think he needs, he's got to have umbrella insurance, but he's also got to have a, a sort of an overarching. Suspect. I'd love to let me send him our requirements, <laughs> and then he can put. He's going to need to. Be, it's going to need to be on his letterhead a proposal <laughs> that he can then send to the building management company. They'll designate whether this is an aesthetic or uh, a required uh, thing, and then maybe we can get this going in the next four or five months. Maybe by the end of the hockey season, we can get Will Carrier in here to uh, <laughs> put it. <laughs> install a junction well, box we, in our we, kitchen. We were bummed out because they were in New York like a week ago. Oh, yeah. Well, I wasn't. I, that was the uh, <laughs> that's right, that's best right. week of the year so far. Just okay. that letting other people cook me dinner and then having them wash the dishes. Uh, it's not sustainable, but it was a nice break. All right. As somebody who has basically lived in some form of uh, suburbia my entire life, can you explain to me like what would have happened if you just had a friend that could have fixed your dishwasher problems a year ago, and you just had them come over and do it without the insurance and the letterhead? Well, uh, I would have had a bunch of lawyers really mad at me. I think the difference is, like, little repairs, like I do. You know, like, I've fixed the sink. I've, like, done, you know, like, normal stuff that you can do if you grew up in the suburbs and you've, like, ever had to, like, fix a toilet or, like, fix a, you know, a dripping sink like faucet. I can do that. And they don't get mad at me for doing that. The thing that uh, they do have, like the electrical stuff, I think I could do that if I wanted to. Like, I just don't know how to install a junction box. Like, I know what I don't know. There's a lighting fixture that we've been wanting to get changed. And I've my friends who live in the burbs and, like, have kids and stuff like that do stuff like this all the time. Um, I don't know how to do it. I don't want to damage an apartment that is, like, you know, by every standard, um, including, you know, all of the ones that you and your listeners know about, about how janky it is. It's easily the most valuable (laughs) thing in my family. And the idea that like, I'm taking our biggest asset and I'm just going to go woogle around in the ceiling for a little while and see if I can't change a lighting fixture. (laughs) Like it's less that I'm mad at, like worried about the building management being mad at me. Like I cannot disappoint my mom because I tried to whatever, pretend to be the Jewish Bob Vila and screwed screwed up our nest egg. Like that is, that's a bridge too far. So at the moment, where is your oven? Oh, right where we left it. I was sort of hoping when we came back uh, that it would have been magically replaced in the wall, but nothing changed. Uh, Someone from the building did come and feed the turtle. So the turtle's doing okay. Uh, Everything else is exactly where it was. And I can't tell you like (laughs) how much my heart sank. I mean, I knew it would be there, but just opening the door the apartment was still kind of cold because it was like six degrees in New York City for three days last week. So entering a cold apartment with a lethargic turtle and a stove is like the first thing you see just staring at you. It's not what you want. Uh, press box transition. Uh, yeah. I, I want to know what you think. Um, we heard in an earlier show in terms of what this record really means for LeBron. Um, he's played a, He's played a lot of years. It's a lot of volume points. He's... 
I think fifth all time in, in scoring. There's others ahead of him, including Durant. Like they were saying, you know, like when Steph, when Steph hit the three point record, it was really like celebrated and you knew it was happening and you followed it. Do you get the same sense about this record? I don't. And it's weird. I mean, I think some of it is, I, mean, I feel like we talked about this on the podcast last week. I might've talked to you guys about it last week too, that I think that LeBron has been roughly as good as he's been for so long that it's not like people have tuned it out. I mean, I don't think that you can say that LeBron James is underrated. Like that's just stupid, <laughs> but I do think that there's a sense in which it doesn't really register the way that it should anymore. Because like, I think when you see like Steph breaking that record, I mean, it was giddy. Like peak Steph was the sort of thing where he was doing stuff in games, every game, but regular season games that nobody had seen before and that no one really had a frame of reference for. Whereas LeBron, you know, is doing the same stuff. Like, that he plays sort of like Michael Jordan in Carl Malone's body. That's ridiculous. And yet, like, he's been doing it for 20 years, and so I think that there's a sense where, like, it's not ho-hum that the dude is, you know, averaging close to 30 points a game at 38 years old. Like, that's, on its merits, is ridiculous. And yet I think it doesn't, quite scan maybe because of the fact that there's less of that sort of like Steph or like Kyrie style, like artistry to it. Mm -hmm. Like he just gets to the basket over and over and over again, the same way he has since I was like a teenager, basically, you know, and that's a hard thing. I think to sort of like, I don't as amazing as it is. It's like, if you see it enough times, it starts to seem normal. Mm -hmm. There's a funny story at ESPN today where they're talking to, you know, a bunch of different guys that had played against him and had tried to defend him about how good he was. And all of those quotes have this sort of, like, element of negging to them that's really funny. Like Shane Battier talking about, he's like, he didn't really know how to shoot for the first five years of his career. And then when he figured it out, it was like Happy Gilmore learning to putt. And it's like, that's a great quote. It's a funny thing. To, I'm always happy you reminded of Happy Gilmore. But also, like, he knew how to shoot the first five years of his career, Shane Battier. Like, <laughs> like he won a scoring title by then. Like this is it's just I think that it doesn't it, it still doesn't make sense that he's this good and that he's not declining. I mean, this is the part of his career where he should be in the, you know, like sort of Vince Carter, you know, gracious bench contributor role. And he's, you know, got a as reasonable a case for winning the MVP as he's had every single year. He still does. His team stinks, but, I mean, like, the rest of it is just impossible to parse. I mean, he compared it to to uh, Aaron's 755. Yeah, which is, I think, makes sense, given that that's like, you know, by the time Aaron hit that, it's you know, he's at the end of his career, he's like basically a DH. It's not, like, the most exciting part of a most exciting career. Right. But also, I mean, Aaron wasn't, a guy that was ever, I mean, I don't know how many home run titles he won during the course of his career, but it wasn't a lot. It was just that he was like the third best home run hitter in baseball for 25 years right. or something, what which is, is amazing enough on its own. What is uh, more likely to happen? The Mavericks win a playoff series or Jason Kidd gets fired? So <laughs> I don't think they're going to win a playoff series, but. And I do think that there's definitely a case for firing Jason Kidd. Just, again, as somebody that has to watch them on national TV a lot, it is amazing how unpleasant they are to watch, given that they've got one of you know the most amazing players of the generation playing for them every night. Some of that is Luca, who's just kind of bad vibes and always seems really pouty and upset. 
but brother, they stink. They're really hard to watch. And I don't know to what extent you can put that on Jason Kidd, but I don't think that Kyrie is um, going to improve the vibes there. And I'm not exactly sure where he fits. I mean, just in terms of they have like basically two of the, I don't know, four or five most ball-dominant guards in the sport playing next to each other now. So if Jason Kidd can figure that out, he deserves an extension. If he can't figure that out, I don't know that you could say that he deserves to be fired. I don't know who could figure it out, but uh, I suppose you might as well fire him anyway because the style is is no fun to watch. Who gives Kyrie Irving a four-year deal at the end of this offseason? I can't imagine any team doing it. And it's, I I mean, in the same way that I think he's at that part of his career where he's going to be signing a lot of those, like the LeBron deals, like the one year with one option thing, which is like a reasonable way for a player to live their 30s out. He's still going to make plenty of money. But it really, like this feels, especially like the second trade request, it seemed like they had sort of figured some things out. Like the Nets did have that surge where they really did look like a, a title contender, I think, you know, with him and Durant on the floor at the same time. Even without Durant, Kyrie really had some amazing moments this year. But if he can't get through a whole year, if he can't get through like the early part of winter without doing some more Kyrie stuff and screwing it all up for himself and his team, then I don't know how you could commit to that. I definitely understand the idea of wanting to have him on your team because like superstars love playing with him, which is easy enough to understand. And he's great. He really is. It's just, you can't build around him. And I feel like if you're offering a big deal of that sort, you're, I mean, just given the way the salary cap works, that's a cornerstone. Like he is a very, very wobbly cornerstone as those things go. Can you imagine anyone signing into a deal like that? I was surprised three teams were willing to trade a first round pick for him. So I wouldn't, but if that was the market to trade for him for maybe half of a season, uh, somebody's probably going to give him a deal that he wants. Yeah. It's a question of where he'd want to go. I mean, there's teams that obviously, you know, you can plug him in and he'd be the best player on the team on a third of the teams in the league, just off the top of my head, you know, a, a number like that makes sense. That doesn't mean that he wants to go play for those teams though. And if he wants to go, you know, play for the Lakers or whatever, and maybe he does. But I don't think that he doesn't strike me as a guy that solves a problem for a team that has problems at this point. And in terms of, you know, being sort of the last piece that puts you up over the top as a title contender, he's absolutely good enough. I just don't know that he's reliable enough for that either. And so the idea that the Lakers thought that, and the deal that I saw that they'd proposed to the Nets was like Russ and a first round pick in like 2029. So basically like someone who's like 12 years old now, uh, like that, that is, I mean, you're, that is like a very low value. It's still a first round pick. It's surprising that, that that was the case, but I don't think you'd like add Kyrie to this Lakers team. I don't even know that they're good still. He doesn't help you on the defensive end at all. And you don't know what you're going to necessarily get from him, you know, over the course of the year. If he, like, he is forever, like, one Instagram swipe away from completely disappearing (laughs) from the identifiable reality forever. That's a really nervous thing, you know, if you're committing to a guy. Instagram swipe, Twitter like, or Amazon search for his own name in Hebrew. Those are the potential downfalls. You never know. There but for the grace of God, all of us who have entered our own name in Hebrew into Amazon (laughs) to see what would turn up. Lucky that we're as normal as we are. He is David Roth from Defector. David, as always, we appreciate it.
Thanks, guys. Have a good one. So there's David Roth from Defector coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas. We'll stay in the NBA. This sports update is brought to you by William Hill. For all your betting needs, William Hill has you covered. For all the details, visit WilliamHill.us. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-522-4700. Well, definitely disappointed. I can't sit here and say I'm not disappointed on not being able to land such a talent, but someone that I had great chemistry with and know I got great chemistry with on the floor that can help you win championships in my, in my mind, in my eyes. But my focus is shifted now. Um, my focus has shifted back to where it should be, and that's this, that's this club now. We had an opportunity. Out there. Our, our names was out there. The Lakers' name was out there. We had an opportunity. Didn't happen. We move on, and we, we, we uh, finish the season strong, try to, try to get a bid into the postseason, where I feel if we go in healthy, and we compete with anybody. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. All right, that was LeBron James on ESPN yesterday talking about the Lakers not trading for Kyrie Irving. A couple of things. One, do you believe him when he says if they're healthy, they can compete with anybody? No. Okay. You? Uh, <laughs> um, no, not anybody. Uh, well, okay, they can compete with anybody in the West. They're not winning three straight playoff series. Though. Right. Like, they, if, if they got in, sure, they could win a playoff series against anybody, but they're not going to do that three straight times. Um, they're currently the 13 seed in the West. You got to get to 10. Yeah, you got to get to 10 to be in. Just the play in. Uh, it's only a game and a half out of 10 right now for the Lakers, but they're still behind Portland and Oklahoma City, who are also on the outside looking in, but have a better record than the Lakers. On the Kyrie Irving trade, I saw, and I can't remember who reported it. I apologize. But the Nets asked for Rui Hachimura from the who Lakers. Who they just got. And Rui Hachimura, because they just traded for him, is not eligible to be traded right away. So the Lakers couldn't give Rui Hachimura even if they wanted to, which I'm sure they would have wanted to. They wouldn't, yes. have, they wouldn't have turned down Kyrie to hold on to Rui, Rui Hachimura. Hachimura. We've also seen the reports about Joseph Tsai of the Nets just solely not wanting to trade Kyrie Irving to the Lakers because that where was he wanted his preferred to go. Destination, destination. And I hope that the Nets... Talk to the Lakers, and the Nets knew that Rui Hachimura couldn't be traded, but they asked for him anyways because they knew he couldn't legally be traded. Like, I hope they said, all right, that all sounds good, but you're also going to have to put in Rui Hachimura. So they could say they made an effort. Right. And then, oh, sorry, you guys can't yeah. give us Rui? Ah, Too deal's bad. off. Can't do it. We're going to Dallas instead. <laughs> like, I just love the idea that they turned down the Lakers' offer because they couldn't get Rui. Solely because Kyrie Irving didn't and want they to go pro- there. And that they knew it. Right. And they sort of played this up with Rui Hachimura. So, the three offers that we that we know of. Suns offered Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and a pick. I'm assuming that was a first-round pick. The Lakers offered two first-round picks and Westbrook. And the Mavs ended up getting him for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a first, and two second-round picks. two seconds. Did the Nets take the best offer of those three? Was the Mavericks offer the best? How many first rounds from the Lakers? They would have given up two. In, and let's just put it out there again, 2029 20, and probably twenty. Well, those are the picks they got, 27 and 29, but those are the same years they got the Mavs pick. Those are 27 and 29 picks too. I mean, I, I like the Laker deal as well. 
So to me, it, it the question is, what are the Nets trying to do? Because if the Nets are trying to win now? still this season, then the Mavs offer was the best right. offer because they got two usable players and potentially they can make another trade before the deadline if they can go add another player. The Raptors, they tried to get Fred Van Vliet yesterday. Right. Maybe the Raptors trade OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam. So if they're trying to win now, which it appears to be so, the Mavs offer was the better offer because if you if you take the Lakers offer, yes, you get an extra first-round pick, but you're taking on Westbrook, and he's not helping you win anything right now. But if the Nets were saying, oh, we're going to try to be good you know, next season or the season after that, then the Lakers offer was probably better because Westbrook's an expiring contract, so that frees up a bunch of cap space. And even though it's not going to be for a few years, you get, you get the, the extra draft first-round pick. So I think they took the right offer because it appears as though they're still going to try to win this season right now. LeBron plays tonight. Uh, Lakers against the Thunder. If he scores 36, he passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most points in NBA history. If he doesn't get to 36 tonight, he they play again on Thursday on TNT against the Milwaukee Bucks. Both are home games, by the way. So he's almost guaranteed to do this at home. You'll have it on both TVs. But every TV breaks down but one, and you have to choose one, although I know the Laker game goes longer. Just to say they're at the both, both at the same time. Do you choose LeBron or do you choose the Golden Knights? Yeah, I'll watch the Golden Knights. Yeah, me too. Tonight, yeah. I'll yeah, be, I'll I mean, watch them. And just I'd, because I'll be able to see just, all the... I don't know why I'm not fired up about the scoring record. Should we pretend it's the same as the home run record? Know. Like, if you were to I pick mean, what's what should be the most important individual record in NBA history? It should be total points scored, right? Depends who you are. What do you mean? I mean Everybody's goal is mean? to score. Yeah, some people are more passers. Well, that's like, like saying you should that the home run well, record's not as good because some people are contact hitters. There's a whole half the damn players don't even get to hit. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, the basic premise of the basketball basketball is to score. Right. So I, I, this should be the biggest record in the NBA. It just doesn't feel like it's being promoted that way. It's just, the weird the weird part is like we've kept comparing it to baseball. Baseball cares so much more about records. Let me ask, what's the yes. what's the NBA comparison to the 3000 hit club? 3000 is not even the record, but it's a big deal when somebody gets a 3000 hit. Oh, it's automatic Hall of Fame. But we don't have like a milestone in basketball right. where it's like, There's oh, automatic Hall of Fame. When you score this amount of points, right. it's a big deal. We just don't do that in basketball like we do in baseball.